Hello and welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. I'm your host, Jonah Comstock, Editor-in-Chief at Pharma Forum. My guest today is Purvis Khan, Managing Director of Life Sciences across UK and Ireland for Accenture. Uh, we're going to be talking about a really important topic uh, that uh, I think both of us spend, spend quite a bit of time thinking about, uh, which is patient centricity, uh, patient engagement, patient trust um, in the pharma industry with the pharma industry. Um, so to start out, uh, welcome to the show, Pervais. Uh, t- tell me a little bit about you and the work that you do. Yeah, thank you, Jenna, and very nice to be, uh, very nice to be on. Um, yeah, I, uh, I essentially run Accenture's uh, life sciences industry um, for the UK and Ireland, which essentially means um, I cover off the work we do with our clients that are not only based here across um, UK and Ireland, but for any work we do or basically drive out of the, um, you know, out of the geography here. And that work can range from anything from, you know, business strategy type projects, technology strategy. Um, we do a lot of consulting, so transformation um, type work. And as anyone who knows Accenture will know, we have a heavy technology footprint. Um, so we do work with a lot of cro- a lot of clients across the technology space, as well as across like an outsource operations group, um, as well as the um, one of the sort of the hottest areas in in our all of our business right now across digital and uh, and interactive. So this topic around patient uh, patient engagement, patient centricity, that was a, a topic you you sort of picked, and we we discussed it together. But I know this is an area of of special interest for you. So tell me a little bit about that and how how that's how you got into that and um you know what what your i guess what your professional perspective um offers you on and as an insight into this kind of uh theme yeah well i guess it goes back um i mean from my perspective probably a long way because um uh on my personal journey i had no uh probably idea what a consultant did when i was actually studying so actually i um i grew up uh coming through um, essentially pharmacy school uh, originally as a career choice um, when w- always wanted to be a, a researcher so I did a PhD in, uh, in chemistry and pharmaceutical chemistry and I thought my real career aim was actually to go and be a, a drug researcher or a scientific researcher um, which I did do in the industry for, um, for the early part of my career. Um, so everything was always geared towards how can you help patients or basically how can you solve disease and I think it was by luck, actually, I came into consulting um, just because I actually started working with some consultants. I quite I quite liked the way they worked and actually how they had a real problem solving mentality to what they did. Um, but in actual fact, I've always worked in and around the pharmaceutical and the life sciences arena, but probably because of my background. And I've always had this view of, you know, what what does this mean for the patient? So even, you know, some of the projects we do seem to be kind of quite detached from day to day how does this impact the patient um but it's like many clients and many folks i work with across the pharma industry as a whole they they may be working in you know either kind of enabling functions or back office functions or support functions but everybody has the same value and impact and interest in the patient at heart and i've always i mean i've always worked in this area but actually i've always worked as well on behalf of those who work in this area, and I think, uh, I think personally, I've always thought that from the outside looking in, I think pharma has probably a bad name. Whereas um, those that are in the industry 
I mean, I know personally have genuine goodwill to want to help a patient and do things over and above for the patient. So I, I personally was been interested in it, but I've always been interested on behalf of, I guess, telling the message is maybe a bit of an independent from someone who maybe not directly now attached to an individual um, life science or pharma company, that there are a lot of folks, really good folks in the industry focused on the well-being and welfare of patients. So on that topic, do you feel like the the relationship that pharma in general has with their patients is, is changing and has changed over the last few years? I know that for a long time, you know, that pharma maybe more thought of themselves as having relationships with providers who then had relationships with the patient. One thing that uh, digitization has done is it's really helps to make it so that every stakeholder in healthcare has to think about a direct relationship with the patient. Yeah, right. And an actual fact, I think it, I mean, I think it's trained dramatically over the uh, over the last couple of years with the um, with the pandemic, but I think it was changing and it was evolving. And of course, it depends on which part of the world you're based in, because the you know the healthcare models clearly are diff- are different from you know one part of the world to the other. You know, if you take the um, like US clearly, for example, versus you know uh, different countries in Europe. Um, but I think where pharma was already going to was actually how to how to drive more directly for the patient, and that that you know across the enterprise. If you look at you know an R and D, for example, you know there'd clearly been a big shift, and there ha- and there have been over the last ten years or so into you know how can we develop more direct, personalised, and innovative science that actually was working very different to the way you know previous kind of science had worked, and also kind of the model in the industry had changed very much from you know, it's the job of research to work independently from development, from the rest of the, you know, rest of the enterprise model and for the commercial function, for example, to, you know, maximize and maximize only the commercial perspective. Whereas right now, you know, folks in commercial are really thinking about value, thinking about not only value to their their stakeholders, for example, the physicians, but actually value to the patient, value to the kind of the broader kind of access and, you know, the, the ability of patients to to access the medicines, which changes the paradigm. So it kind of changes marketing, marketing having been seen as, you know, and there, and there are unfortunately bad examples over the past where marketeers were sort of just the kind of the, you know, in the past seen in some areas of being, you know, how can you spin the message to get, you know, to get more and more boxes out and, and sold to actually the marketeers having a really important job in terms of, you know, really putting across the messages, the brand values, and the real differentiation that uh, that they have in their, um, you know, in the new therapies. Yeah, one thing that's interesting to me is, you know, when you think about broadly the role that pharma is meant to play in the um, ecosystem of care, they create the therapeutics, they create the the stuff that actually either treats disease or or helps manage symptoms and historically that stuff has always been you know little pills filled with novel molecules um but one thing that's changed is is as we've not only as like we've developed digital technologies and digital therapeutics and things but also just as we've sort of started to think more about prevention and chronic condition management um it's it's become really important that you know, those tools are are things that are really built with a strong thought in mind of like 
how does the patient use this? Is this something someone can build a habit around? Is this something that's going to be kind of user-friendly? So in a way, pharma has to start thinking a little bit like a tech company um, it, it, because that's just sort of, it's, it's partly it's, it's the, how the technology of therapeutics has changed and partly it's just how the, I guess, our, our general approach to like what is a treatment has changed to become much more patient-centric in a way. Yeah, well, all of our expectations of what we expect as be it a consumer or a patient, we now expect as patients to be treated as, you know, we would be as consumers. And, you know, if you think from a tech perspective, you know, Apple kind of changed the game with the way they just made design intuitive. And, you know, you may be an Apple fan, you may not be an Apple fan, but you can't disagree with the way Apple approached actually kind of centralizing design and putting the user at the center of design. And then you look at kind of, you know, there are there are huge amounts of design around experience that actually are really important. And what they're showing us is that if you can actually engage someone in an experience, the chance of them adopting something, you know, is far higher. And, you know, one of the classic challenges in the pharma industry is adoption and actually the days that folks actually stay on therapy, even though when they know it's the right type of medication for them, um, the classic challenge of going back in the day to, you know, do patients take their course of antibiotics, well, they kind of take it till, you know, a number of them just feel better and they don't finish the course. And then that obviously leads to rebound issues, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's the same principle. And actually what's been you know, and, and pharma's been, you know, dealing with this for a number of years, which is kind of other industries are showing us, you know, how how all of our expectation levels have kind of heightened and have risen. So we now expect a better standard of care. We expect to be able to get to our own, you know, medication records on our phones. We expect to be able to get the type of therapy that's, you know, it is not just a chance it might help us, but it's really going to make an impact, make an impact very quickly. And you know, and also if you look at the um, uh, the type of value that we're now driving, or the industry is now driving across the uh, um, across the entire enterprise, is not just in a life sciences company perspective. It's value to the patient, but also the whole ecosystem. So, are you keeping a patient well and not having them come back into a hospital setting? which is, you know, a clinic or very expensive operations that they may need. So there's a kind of overall business case that actually pharma has a, a critical role in helping to solve. Now, the challenge is that, you know, it's usually a negotiation between a pharma company and the state for kind of pricing and reimbursement. Um, but we are moving to much more value-based orientation and an outcome. Still way to go, but, you know, it is the right way forward. And then the next step is, can you kind of work out the value of just keeping someone well? And actually, this is the kind of mind shift that, you know, if you are a research and development company or a manufacturing company, and you may not be researching and developing the traditional things that you have been doing, and you touched on it, you know, when you use technology, you use data, you know, can you look at things in a very different way to be able to predict how to keep a patient well? Obviously, diabetes is a very good example of being able to do that through non-medical interventions. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of journals that talk about functional medicine that may be diet based or others. And those are kind of non, non-traditional therapies. Right. And, and those are really interesting because it can potentially create a tension, right, of uh, where the goal of keeping patients well doesn't 
necessarily align with the, you know, I guess business goals of traditional business goals of a, of a pharmaceutical company, you know, of selling medicines, um, you know, that's a situation where we start, I think any situation where that alignment isn't right is where we start to have trust issues, right? Between, between people and, and our patients and pharma, which is kind of the next thing I wanted to ask about. Um, but what, I mean, what do you think is the state right now of, of sort of how patients feel about pharma? I mean, what does your research at Accenture tell you about that? And, and what direction do you think that can sort of move in? Yeah, it's, it, it, it is very interesting because the pandemic, pre-pandemic, pharmaceutical companies were not household names in the uh, in the vernacular of you know the day-to-day public during the pandemic and now kind of post-pandemic you know these companies are very well known um particularly the ones that were you know in the in the the mix to you know develop a vaccine or develop therapies that that would help against covid so it's brought everything front and center clearly to the um, you know to the public attention so that has had a shift in um in public perception and trust and I think it was pharma was coming from quite a negative place, but trust has definitely improved. But I mean, our research has shown that it's improved probably about twelve percent at this point in time to to where it was. Um, but still, only about a third of the public over here in the UK would trust pharmaceutical companies to kind of keep hold of their data and to kind of keep it securely. Well, whereas and to not misuse that information, whereas they still think that. You know, nearly 90% of those that are healthcare professionals, so doctors, nurses, pharmacists, would be more trustworthy in that instance. So there's still quite a gap, but pharma is definitely on the right road. And I think one of the key things also during the pandemic was the ability to use data and to use data in a more transparent manner. So, for example, when you looked at you know, what trials were taking place, what were the trials showing, and the fact that the data and the publication of those data, of that data, actually was able to be accessed by people who would ordinarily have not been able to do that. I think that was a big step forward. I think the, I think the public also saw pharma companies collaborating with each other, um, and they would be, you know, competitors traditionally, collaborating for the good of the patient, as well as working with the regulators, as well as working with the state and with the kind of payers. So you, so the public then sees a whole ecosystem of folks that they didn't necessarily individually trust, but collectively working together for their benefit. And that builds trust because you look at the system then trying to work towards helping the health outcome for, for the individuals and for the patients. And that is re- that's very much the right step forward. So even though, I mean, even from our research, it's still not moved the dial significantly i actually think it has been a significant shift that we will pick up you know downstream in the next year or two as as we kind of continue to run these types of surveys so we have talked a little bit um i don't think i asked the question explicitly but i think we've discussed it about how the this mindset of thinking about the patient and not just thinking about the patient but also so listening kind of the input of the patient it it it's across the industry in pharma it's not just your marketing group, your, you know, patient access group, it's, it's R and D it's, it's, it's everybody. Um, how do you advise folks to, um, implement a a strategy, an effective kind of patient engagement, uh, patient 
prioritization sort of strategy across the industry in pharma? I think um I think you mentioned it. I, I think it has to it has to involve all elements of the uh, of the value chain within um within a pharma company. And it's easy to say it, right? You know, and I can I can almost like resonate to my older self, you know, being within the industry and you know, almost feeling like from the outside it's easy to say it. Because actually in in large scale corporations, it's difficult to change a way of working that has traditionally been very functional. And actually what you see is kind of companies are trying to make the shift towards working really across an enterprise. And then how do you drive it across enterprise? So some of the key enablers actually are in things like technology and in cloud and in being able to break down the silos of data where data existed across these individual areas and, and, and frankly, within functions, there are multiple silos of areas that you know, many people will just resonate, just just listening to this. And I think that that is one very, you know, almost kind of tangible thread, like a backbone thread that you can drive through um, through an enterprise. And and what does it mean? It means that actually the strategy is is derived on where can you add value. So is the value going to be added, you know, to the system? Is it a kind of economic benefit to the state? Because actually, if you look at the moment, I mean, even even pre pandemic. You know, we we were we were doing research in every single country in the world. The rise in healthcare costs was more than the rise in GDP, right? So that was already saying that you know balancing the bills was going to be an issue for every single country in the world. Anyway, then you kind of fast forward through the pandemic, where you know the amount of um, essentially support that's needed to be given um, to again pretty much every country in the world to support people through the pandemic has just made this deficit even you know even more so it, there is a big challenge now in terms of how do you provide value that and the value being kind of economic value to the state so there's there's got to be a strategy that you know that folks sitting within pharma companies understand the kind of the balance and where they can help to add value or demonstrate the values being added to the ecosystem and 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 i see a lot more people really you know, latching onto that strategy to think about, you know, really the first question they're asking is, you know, going back 20 years would be how many of these boxes can I sell? These days is, it really is, you know, where is the value? So where is the value for us investing in something in the late stage? Now, is it, you know, is it in a companion device? Is it something associated with it? Before these would have been gadgets, you know, that would have been, well, you know, it's just kind of like a shiny new gadget. But actually now is it's actually, does this drive value for the patient? You know, can the patient help, you know, monitor their own blood pressure or their dosing, or does it help them remember to take a medication? So, so these things now are actually adding tangible value. And actually that's, that's really the starting point of the strategy, which is kind of where is the value going to be derived? That's really interesting. You know, we, we talked, <laughs> I mean, to kind of just bring it all um together or to, to attempt to um pharma pharma organizations are they're for-profit um companies uh but they're in the business of creating life-saving or at least life-improving um drugs that are you know distributed via via the healthcare system which is sometimes for profit and sometimes not um, but any, anyone in pharma at the end of the day has sort of two goals. One is to, to be a sustainable business and the other is to, is to help people. Right. 
and I, I think you kind of mentioned at the beginning um, it, when talking about your own story, you know, most people in pharma do like believe in that, you know, they have, they're somewhat mission driven. They, they, um, they're intentionally in a business that is, is about saving lives and helping people. So, so all of this comes down to sort of how do you balance those two goals? How do you balance the optics of those two goals so that you can help the most people, uh, you know, stay afloat and hopefully do well financially and not create some of the sort of really bad PR optics that we've seen pharma get into over the years when they either are or appear to be sort of prioritizing making money over people's well-being. I'm thinking about things like the opioid crisis and about sort of spiraling insulin prices. Um, so I guess I'll pause to say, do you, do you think that's all kind of a fair assessment? And then if we if we look at it through that lens of sort of balancing those two priorities, um, it, what's kind of, how do you see that playing out? And, and what's kind of your, your advice on how to manage that? Yeah, look, I think there is a part of that story that, again, you know, every industry or, you know, frankly, everywhere in the world, there are a few rotten apples around the place. And unfortunately, they tend to give every everything kind of a bad bad name or a bad kind of um, perspective. But look, is it is there any reason why you should not be able to act ethically and keep people well or improve their wellness, solve disease, you know, act in the best um, in the best way for patients and not make a profit around that? I mean, I don't see there's anything really wrong with those two things coinciding together. But I think the key thing is, can you do that ethically and you do that in the best interest still of the patient? Now, you know, the other thing is, if you look at, you know, if you weren't able to be profitable and drive a sustainable business, basically business is about growth. And if you're not growing your business, your business basically dies and you therefore are not able to then, you know, reinvest money back into, you know, helping patients in, in the longer term. So, so I have no, you know, I, I have like absolutely no issue with kind of those two statements really hanging together but it's really about how you do it how you do it ethically how you do it for the you know for the value to the you know to the patient and then also i think that but i think the challenge is also how do you stay ahead of the game so this is where you know the marketers and and those that really are you know really good at communicating messages should be hitting the messages you know i think i think actually pharma is actually such a an insular but introverted industry for the good that actually it genuinely does itself a disservice by not being i would say extremely out there and saying you know how many patients have they kind of cured from various conditions you know how many days on therapy have they actually kept people you know not only well but alive for you know and and actually the you know what what, what the industry does a huge amount of is and is working on is not not only kind of like an ESG agenda around sustainability, around actually inclusion and diversity of those and 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 representative samples of people in clinical trials to have actual balance. But the amount of the work they do across the developing world, how they kind of really working on health equity and making equality for access to to medicines for patients. And you know, you, you listen to how the modern CEO describes the, the role. And it is all about solving disease. It's about looking to the future and investments in 
personalizing medicine. It's looking to actually cure disease, you know, when you look at kind of where certain gene therapy is going. And that's the type of message that we want to get out. And, and honestly, the, the pandemic was clearly an awful, awful event. But you looked at, I think you saw pharma on its best day being able to bring, when you look at being able to bring a vaccine out, a complicated biological vaccine and have it safely tested and developed and collaborating through it and bring it out to the public within a year, I think is like fantastic. And I think that's really the kind of, that's pharma on its best day and pharma as you'd like to see it every day. Yeah, that's such a great point. Um, and, and maybe a good note to end on is just this notion that pharma is doing so much and a lot of what they need to do is just communicate that out to folks. Um, uh, even you know, outside the industry, you mentioned uh, diversity and equity. I think you mentioned sustainability, which I know is a huge priority for a lot of big farmers right now. They're trying to figure out how to be a, a force for good around um, climate change and and lead by example. Um, and I'm sure a lot of folks who are not steeped in the industry are just not uh, really aware of that. Yeah, so I, no, I, I think there's a lot to do on kind of opening out more and talking talking more about these things. Look, of course, I think there is still work to do, but look, I, I, um, you probably hear I'm quite passionate about this industry and about this topic, but I, um, I firmly believe there's a, a lot more good being done than probably the broader um, people or public are, are, are probably aware of. Any final thoughts about anything that we've uh, discussed so far, Pervis, before we wrap up? No, I think it's a really exciting time, actually, to be working in the industry because you have a mixture of kind of, you know, brilliant science just around the place and, and in development. You have exciting um, scientific technology, actually, that's, that's around and being developed. Um, and actually, the other thing is we have much more access to data, technology, and the ability to kind of use, you know, all sorts of applied intelligence, kind of automation, other kind of fast, you know, computing techniques to kind of really enhance um, not only what we do, but ultimately at the end of the day, enhance the lives of people and actually their uh, their well-being. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. It was great chatting with you. And um, yeah, hope to, to have you on the show again. Pleasure. That concludes this episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podme, where you can find and subscribe by searching for Pharma Forum. And don't forget to visit our website, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins, and to follow us on Twitter at at Pharma Forum. Thanks for listening. Thank you.